When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time once again for Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network, alongside my great friend and co-host Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst, currently a First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. And of course, Brent, also a voter for the most prestigious honor in all of collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy, week six coming up in the Southeastern Conference football season for 2023. Brent, uh, right. I mean, we're almost to the midway point, essentially, of this season. And it is a week in which we've got some absolutely critical gateway games in both divisions. And then we have a cross-divisional matchup with Missouri (laughs) and LSU that I think there's certainly some intrigue surrounding that one as well. Oh, there is, uh, no doubt. And, and the two things I want to point out that are worth celebrating over the next few days, uh, number one, this weekend here in Northeast Florida is going to be in the 70s and 50s, which <laughs> should be a state holiday, the first 50-degree night. Uh, and the other thing is, um, starting uh, Tuesday of this week, uh, I know it was Jacksonville State, Middle, and Florida International, and New Mexico State, but that means 49 straight days, Trav, of either NFL or college, or maybe even both. So uh, the two things we're celebrating on the first coast today. <laughs> yeah, a lot of high school football in there, too. You yeah. know, high school football's even become a thing where on my social media timelines, I'll see scores for Monday night games now. Oh, yeah. In high school yeah. football. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it kind of yep. takes me aback a little bit. But no doubt about it, a football fest coming up on the different platforms. We're going to talk SEC, of course, with you here on Second Helping primarily. And, Brent, as we typically do, we will review as we preview. And what we'll do is we'll start with that early window on Saturday as Mississippi State, losers of three in a row, in desperate need of a win, and perhaps that what the, what that's what they will get with Western Michigan from the MAC coming to town at two and three, and one and one in the Broncos League. But uh, this is a Mississippi State team, obviously reeling a little bit right now. Once again, slow start at home, similar to what we saw from State. Uh, And the loss to LSU happened once again last Saturday night in a home loss to Alabama. So Zach Arnett and his team uh, need to get to 500 overall and then try to brace themselves for the remainder of the conference schedule. Yeah, uh, and this is a welcome break for them. One thing that's going to help is uh, the um, Mississippi State secondary that, that Alabama was able to take advantage of a few times will face a... Western Michigan passing attack that's number 99 in the nation. So that that will be a little bit of a relief. And, but I think, Trav, the bigger picture here is 
will Zach Hornett survive this year? Is he over his head? Uh, I mean, look, in fairness to this guy, he's been thrown into the fire after the death of one of the most beloved football coaches, frankly, in history, and Mike Leach. Uh, they've obviously changed the offense and trying to put his signature on it, but it has indeed been a struggle within the SEC, and it will continue to be to some degree. So uh, uh, big big picture, Trav, at Mississippi State is going to be very interesting over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think if you're Mississippi State, you basically committed to more than one year with Zach Arnett when you made him the permanent hire. I agree. Now, Absolutely. in today's college football world, we know a lot of that can go out of the window, especially if Zach, uh, and, and I'm not saying this would be the case, but if he has issues with players or you know right. his team or the administration, uh, maybe those are red flags that lead to an early pulling of the trigger where he is concerned. But yeah, I mean, you knew you were changing offensive styles dramatically. Uh, you knew Will Rogers and that passing attack were not going to be the featured players on offense. You know, I thought something Mississippi State actually did pretty well against Alabama, and you could say, well, Alabama's going to let them run the football because they took command of that game. But, uh, you know, State ran the football pretty well. Uh, Woody Marks, give that guy a lot of credit. He's obviously less, a good bit less than 100%. It looked like he was playing with an air cast on that ankle Saturday night against Alabama, and he didn't get 10-plus attempts, but on the – carries he did get he was very productive so yes this is a mississippi state team as much as anything physically after what it has endured over these last three games uh and then also mentally the psyche of this team there may not be another team in the sec in need of a win as much well vanderbilt but mississippi state i would say is right there with the commodores in that regard. Also in that early window on Saturday, Brent, talk about a team that could use a win after that shootout in Oxford last Saturday night. The LSU Tigers at three and two overall, two and one in the SEC now after falling to the Rebels of Lane Kiffin. Missouri five and zero. Oh. Now, if we had talked about this matchup back in the preseason, really? and we did outline some scenarios, I guess, in which Missouri could be in this very position. But I think if you're talking expectations for these two programs going into the season, I think the records we might have thought would be reversed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Travis, there's something here for for uh, LSU that I really thought we would never see is the um, LSU pass defense is 130 in the nation. BBU, 130 in the nation. 130, and they hired Pete Jenkins this week uh, in his 80s, uh, who is a tremendous defensive mind to be an analyst for them. Uh, Listen, our thoughts and prayers go out for Greg Brooks Jr., their safety. Uh, Trav, you know, he had brain surgery a few weeks ago. Now they found he's got a rare form of brain cancer. So that further depletes that at that LSU secondary, but I tell you one thing that is not depleted is that Missouri offense, uh, Brady cook, 347 consecutive passes without a pick 
Cody Schrader is playing well. And Trav, I know we mention this every week and people may not may get tired of it, but it's just the way that it is. Luther Burden uh, seems like he plays almost better uh, in every game. I mean, they Theo Weist, the Oklahoma transfers, played well at this point. And, and look, the LSU, uh, Jane Daniels, LSU offense is is lethal at times. But but boy, we you cannot it, look at this game um, compared to what we thought in the beginning and not be really impressed with what Eli Drinkwith has done with his offense. They have. And the thing about Burden is, at this point, everyone knows it's coming. Yeah. And the guy still has 644 receiving yards uh, in five games this season. So Schrader has given them enough on the ground. And I'm happy for Brady Cook because this is a guy who has been embattled, at least in terms of his own fan base, it seems like. And every week... He shuts up the naysayers, it seems like. Seems like he gets better every week as well. I'll tell you about this game. And, you know, also for LSU, just in addition to the Brooks news, which is just you know, heartbreaking to learn. Uh, you know, that defensive line, Jimmy Lindsay, the defensive line coach, had to step away. Yeah, sure uh, did. Back in August due to health reasons. So there are some things uh, that certainly have aligned very much to the disadvantage of LSU. Uh, going back to the preseason on the defensive side of the ball. That being said, it does not explain away fully the poor, poor tackling. No, no it's one thing no. for LSU to be subpar by LSU standards in terms of coverage, but this is a team that compensates for that, Brent, by not tackling well. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. not a good mix, right? No, no. And, and and by the way, we'll get into them later. But the uh, speaking of non-tackling teams. Those Florida Gators are up there, too, aren't they? Yeah, I think uh, some reality came to form for uh, for Florida here in, in most recently. But we'll talk about those Gators, as you said, a little bit later. Now, this LSU-Missouri game, I think some folks just look at it and go, well, it's a bounce back for LSU. They'll go into Como and you know get right and maybe even win this game easily. Maybe that'll be the case. But if there's one aspect of this matchup that's being slept on, perhaps, Brent, is it the Missouri defense? Yes. Yeah. You know, look, yes. LSU is going to score points. They're going to score points against pretty much everyone. You talk about Malik Neighbors. You talk about uh, Jaden Daniels. You talk about that uh, combination that the Tigers have at the running back position, a good offensive line, uh, the tight end position covered with Mason Taylor and guys like that. Uh, but this could be a Missouri defense at home that gets enough stops for Missouri to score enough to win this game, isn't it? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, and listen, I give Eli Drinkwith a lot of credit. Uh, he decided, and this is what, Trav, a couple of years ago, he brought in Blake Baker. Uh, and Baker has done a really solid job uh, with that Missouri defense. And also to his credit, he admitted that he no longer – uh, could coordinate this offense and be and be the head coach. So he's land Kirby Moore to coordinate the offense. So look, people can poke fun at Eli, and, and he's a fun quote. But uh, from what they've done from an administrative point of view, uh, with, with those two coordinators, Trav, to back up your point, they are now one of the better defensive teams in the league. 
And we say all these things, Brent, fully knowing that from a schedule perspective, Missouri's yeah. about to enter the deep end of the pool, no, too. No question. So 5-0, and oh, that'll be an interesting record to look look at after the next seven games yeah. and see what the ceiling is for this team exactly. Yes. But look, seven, eight wins, uh, Eli's probably in good shape moving oh, forward, no. especially with that new extension yes. in yes. his back pocket. Uh, let's talk about 3.30 on Saturday afternoon Eastern on CBS. Alabama travels to College Station to take on a Texas A&M team that's feeling a lot better about itself the last few weeks. Even with Connor Wiegman down, it's starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. Max Johnson, the veteran, a stabilizing effect on that team and that offense. Uh, He did have a couple of turnovers in the win over Arkansas last week, but A&M defensively, when you talk about negative play production the last couple of games, Auburn and Arkansas, through the roof with that front seven and going to look to create more of that havoc against an Alabama offense that you know really didn't have to do a whole lot right. in Starkville last week. You know, got the non-offensive touchdown from outside linebacker Chris Braswell. Uh, the run game was especially effective in the first half. And Jalen Milrow, when called upon, minimal pass attempts, almost academy-like passing numbers in terms of attempts, but... That yards per attempt for Jalen Milrow right now, that's the one thing people aren't talking about with that guy enough is that in his four starts, he's at 10.4 yards per attempt. Bryce Young a year ago was 8.8. Now, Mm -hmm. Bryce threw it a lot more. We we understand that. Uh, But for what Alabama wants to get out of Milrow when he does throw it, uh, the interceptions are a, a drawback, obviously, but when he's not throwing those, seems like Alabama is able to hit on some explosive plays. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and and the efficiency there has been uh, much better. Uh, but, but Trav, this is something I heard you talking about 20 years ago, and it's always appropriate. Is this is a line of scrimmage game, uh, and, and frankly, you've got an A and M defense that, and I know it was Auburn and Arkansas. But they've had back-to-back 15-plus, 15-plus, yeah. tackles for loss. I don't, I don't care who you are. Uh, that That's incredibly impressive. And look, the, to me, the X factor for A&M is, okay, we, we bottle them up. We've slowed them down a little bit. Now we got a kick to Anaya Smith and – uh, Trav, he could go to the house on any play. So, uh, boy, this is uh, this is an extremely dangerous team for Alabama. Yeah, two non-offensive touchdowns for A&M in the win over Arkansas last week. When you talk about Smith with the punt return, uh, Chris Russell with an interception return in that game for a score as well. Alabama has that same capability. I I really believe there'll be a non-offensive touchdown in this game Saturday because Kool-Aid McKinstry can return punts too. Now he's had some handling issues in two of the last three games, but if he fields it cleanly, Kool-Aid McKinstry can get it done. And then the last time Alabama went to college station had a block punt for a touchdown against the Aggies. So uh, there's been special teams touchdowns in this series of, of late. There's been, um, the potential for defensive scores as well. I think you hit on it as far as the lines of scrimmage. I think it's going to be tough for both offenses in all likelihood to run the football. You know, when you think back to last year's meeting, 
it's hard to believe Alabama against a lot of these same pieces for A&M ran for 288 in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Um, the feeling is it won't be nearly as easy this time around. And obviously, even with Max Johnson and his experience in the league and even his experience against Alabama uh, while at LSU, uh, both these defenses want to make these quarterbacks beat them. And, you know, I think A&M with those receivers, uh, with Stewart and Smith and Muhammad and the rest of those guys probably feels a little more comfortable in that setting. But as I said earlier, Alabama, if Milrow's given time and he has the right play call on and has the right guy dialed up, I think against this A&M secondary, it hadn't been talked about as much because Auburn really couldn't hurt A&M that way. True. I didn't think Arkansas could protect K.J. Jefferson well enough for K.J., and he doesn't really have the receivers either to do it. But think back to Miami and A&M. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke, he averaged 12.5 yards per attempt while throwing five touchdown passes right. in that game. So, you know, there there is a scenario where, you know, I think for Alabama, even more so than A&M, uh, explosive play production in the passing game could benefit Alabama in this one and get it over the hump. Four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network Saturday, the Brook Trout Bowl, I'm going to call it. A couple of <laughs> discouraged Football teams meeting down in Gainesville as the Gators coming off that absolute woodshedding at the hands of Kentucky last week up in the bluegrass hosting the Vanderbilt Commodores and Vanderbilt will start there. Brent looks like Ken Seals might be in line yeah. behind center for Vandy for the second straight week. I know AJ Swan reportedly has an elbow contusion, but it may be as much as anything that Clark Lee is looking for some energy, not no only doubt. for that offense, but for his football team in general. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, uh, and Swan has struggled. Uh, so uh, he's looking for a little juice, as they say, in, in order to get it going. And, and gosh, so does. And, and look, for Florida, Florida's got a Vanderbilt and South Carolina coming up before the break, before Georgia. And th- these are two games Florida could win, but the issue with this is, um, among many, uh, is this Gator Gator team that either can't tackle or won't tackle uh, that they had that trouble against Kentucky. Now, look, um, Ray Davis is just one of the better running backs anywhere right now in the league. Uh, and just went crazy uh, in the Florida game. And I get the fact that Kentucky had like 17 seniors in that two deep, and Florida had one, and they're too deep. But, uh, Trav, it's still, it's still inexcusable to have 13 players on the field at one time, and you still can't tackle Wade <laughs> Davis uh, at, at that point. And... Uh, it's still inexcusable that that you've got some really pretty pretty good um, uh, younger players that aren't really getting on the field. And, and look, I I still say there's no way that uh, Billy Napier's going to get fired uh, after year two. But you still want to see a little bit of uh, 
uh, of improvement here. And, and Trav, they're, uh, listen, their lack, and I, I'm curious what Pop thinks about this too, but their lack of intensity on the field sometimes is just stunning. It is, and I think the Austin Armstrong honeymoon may not be entirely over because that Tennessee performance isn't that far removed from what we've seen on that side of the ball, but that was discouraging to say the least. I mean, Florida defenses just don't give up nearly 300 yards to a back, and so uh, that was a stunner in some ways, and as you said, that's understanding Ray Davis is a very nice back. Ray Davis isn't Darren McFadden, though, no. in 2006 no. or so, or 2005, you know, so uh, that was a, that was certainly problematic. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Napier continues, though, to coach this team and manage this team in a way that doesn't speak to him being in desperation mode at this point. Right. You talk about not getting a lot of young guys on the field as of yet. You know, that that to me is what a coach who really believes he has time, that's the approach that they'll typically take. Mm -hmm. When you start seeing a coach feel the heat, that's when you'll start seeing coaches rush the future out there. And a lot of times to less than positive results, if we're being honest. I mean, you run young guys out there that don't know what the hell they're doing. It's going to be worse, believe it or not, than what Ford is putting out there right now so we'll see as the season progresses uh obviously this is a game florida should win at home uh this isn't a vanderbilt team really to me at any point this season that has shown um maybe maybe spots against wake i I was at the game against hawaii i you know it was a seven point win over a two and four hawaii team that just got thumped by a team that also beat vanderbilt in unlv but um yeah florida should take care of business i would think uh, in the in the late afternoon Saturday at Florida Field, let's talk about the primetime window. Kentucky at five and zero, two and zero in the SEC travels to Sanford Stadium, take on a Georgia Bulldog team that survived the Auburn Tigers on the road last week. Brent, uh, not all that surprising from the Georgia perspective that Brock Bowers broke out his Superman cape yeah. at Jordan Hare, yeah. but it was surprising to me at least to see Auburn have the run game success yes. that it did, especially with the understanding that, you know, Auburn throwing the football isn't much of a problem. Mm-mm. No, uh, they're not. Uh, but this is going to be a, and I'm not picking Kentucky to win. I still think Georgia's is going to win the game, but Mark Stoops is 0-10 against Georgia, by the way. Uh, outscored a good bit, but but I really appreciate what Stoops has done with this team, uh, and, and I don't think Devin Leary's really stepped up the, and to be capable of what he is yet, 49% passer uh, at, at this point, but I'm speaking of the Georgia Bulldog Club tonight in Jacksonville, and I had a chance to call one of their beat writers this week, and I and, and we just talked about this team, and he made some good points. He said, look, um, this team has lost about 15 players to the NFL the last two years, and you can't replace those guys, which is one of the reasons they're not as stout as they usually are uh, in their front seven on defense. He thought Carson Beck has played fairly solidly uh, with this. Now, the now – 
the zone read from quarterbacks is really hurting Georgia, and they've really struggled to set the edge at times, which is kind of un-Kirby-like at this point. <clears throat> but that that's something that they are certainly working on. But uh, but he, as he said, and you said it a minute ago, is Brock Bowers covers a multitude of sins. And uh, listen, uh, I, and I'd be real really interested in what you see in him. But the instincts, Trav, and the ability to me, I don't know if I've seen the guy in a while. And this is so important as a receiver with the innate ability to get open because, Trev, almost every time they throw the ball to Bowers, it looks like he's five yards from the nearest defender. So, uh, look, in a Heisman Trophy vote, uh, he certainly has gone up uh, to my poll, but but uh, fascinating game, big game. Still think Georgia wins, but I think Kentucky's solid enough to give him some trouble. Yeah, I think the most encouraging aspect of this matchup, if you're Kentucky, is that you've already seen Georgia in close games. You know, had to battle against South Carolina at home just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Obviously, the game against Auburn last week. So those kind of games kind of can go both ways with you, though. It could mean Georgia's on the verge of blowing somebody out. That's not a bad football team. And Kentucky certainly is not a bad football team. But I think you said it earlier, Devin Leary's going to have to be better because yes. I just yes. don't. And I know Auburn did it last week with its backs, but I just don't see Ray Davis running for even half of no. what he ran for no. last week. And so if that's not the case, uh, Leary and that passing game are going to step up or maybe, you know, get some uh, explosive plays from your defense as far as takeaways or uh, the return game in some form or fashion helps you. Those are the type of things I think Kentucky's going to need as a two-touchdown underdog in Athens to pull off the upset. But huge matchup nonetheless, and one we'll all be, I'm sure, uh, focused on come Saturday night at 7 Eastern from Athens, Georgia. Rounding out SEC action this week. Uh, hungover, uh, still hammered, maybe even, Ole Miss <laughs> fan base. We'll be asked to return to the vault where the Rebels will take on an Arkansas team similar to Mississippi State, right? What it's been through the last two or three weeks. Uh, Sam Pittman's team, two and three in the SEC now. Oh, two and three overall. Oh, and two in the SEC. Heartbreaker at LSU a couple weeks ago. Really a heartbreaker at home against BYU before that. And then to, you know, go through another emotionally and physically taxing matchup like it had last week at Texas A&M, you know, I think you could ask the question of both these teams with what Ole Miss has been through the last couple of weeks. Uh, what's left in the tank? Uh, really? and, and with that, will you be surprised by much in this game? Uh, no, absolutely not. The, the, uh, now, uh, to Ole, for Ole Miss, uh, they've got a week off after this game, so that helps them tremendously. Uh, but for Arkansas, who now is, oh man, in that A&M series trail, they're now one and 11. Uh, that, that, that's tough to see. Rocket Sanders is back, but KJ Jefferson was sacked by A&M seven times, three straight losses. Uh, the, uh, 
Um, and, and I think there's a lot of questions about this Arkansas. They've changed it up a good bit. Their offensive line still love Jefferson, still love Sanders, but there's still a lot of uh, struggles uh, with this team. Um, still wonder how much heat's going to be on Sam Pittman, who I do like um, at, at the end of the year. And, and no, I think you said it well uh, for Ole Miss. And I think the thing that I want to see is will this Pete Golding defense continue to uh, uh, mature? They've had 20 different players who have registered a tackle for law. So that is some, I think, progress for Ole Miss and a win uh, going into uh, – so I, I think the two things here for the big picture uh, would be the momentum Ole Miss could get if they can hang on and get a win. And the other thing, Trav, is uh, for a loss at Arkansas and that be four in a row and, and appear to be in a uh, tailspin with Alabama coming up next week uh, I do have some concerns about Sam Pittman's future. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I don't think we're officially there yet, Mm-mm. but it's uh, it's like the next exit or two. Yeah, yeah, road. yeah. You know, the next Waffle House. Right. It, to put it in Southern ease, where everyone can kind of understand it. Uh, it. It is. It's that kind of game, and you're right. If Ole Miss can get to five and one and two and one in the SEC and have that win over LSU in its back pocket. Who knows how things play out in College Station on Saturday? You know, it could be that Alabama gets its first conference loss, and you still got a matchup with A&M on the horizon if you're Ole Miss, and you got everything back on the table for you. Uh, but that is a good spot for a bye week to to come into play for Lane Kiffin's team. Speaking of which, I think it's a good week for Auburn to be off. Yes. Uh, after the last couple of weeks, in all likelihood, Brent chance to catch its breath, regroup, get as healthy as possible. Uh, And the same could be said for South Carolina and Tennessee, the other two teams in the league that are open this week. Well, and I think the thing that needs to be said about both those teams, uh, injuries have really bit them. The Brew-McCoy injury was awful when it tried. Yeah, that Uh, was rough. uh, So he is unfortunately out for the year and was a big, uh, on the field and off the field, tremendous player for that for that team and Antoine Wells South Carolina he he's still out for for a bit too so there there's no doubt about that really uh, as we get in the midpoint of the season everybody needs a break and and that's the thing that's coming up but I but Trav I will say this and you can tell it from our review and preview today I think the fun thing about the league this year uh what would be uh, uh the Kentuckys and the Missouris and a little resurgence, obviously, by A&M. We've got – it's kind of a – it's on a totally different league because Alabama and Georgia are not going anywhere. But if you're an SEC fan, uh, have that piqued your interest that there, that there are some different things about the league this year than we've seen in a while? Yeah, we're just about to the point of, the, of a season where – the elite in the SEC start to flex their muscle. Yeah, yes. It's where roster strength really starts to show up with attrition taking hold at some of the lesser talented programs in the Southeastern Conference. That being said, LSU's already got two losses. Yeah. You know, Alabama could have two losses. Between A&M and Alabama, someone's going to have two losses 
after yeah. Saturday. So uh, other than Georgia, really, which you expect to still be undefeated at the midway point, the rest of the league could be pretty much up in the air, no doubt about that. Well, Brent, as always, appreciate the insight, all the great info, the conversation, and uh, no shortage again next week when we no. get back together. No, that's just the way the league is. Well, once it gets started, it's one week after another. So we'll enjoy the cool weather this weekend and a great slate of games. And, and, and by the way, I, I'll give I'll give a little tip as we go here. Trav, people need I know I know it's outside the SEC. People need to watch this Louisville team and what Jeff Brom's doing. You told yeah. me about Jeff Brom a few years ago, and watch out for him. Uh, and uh, they very well may beat Notre Dame. Uh, Trav, could they be a power in that ACC in the next few years? They could be. You know, I said it before the season. I thought Kentucky's biggest game this season was Louisville. Yes. And, yes. and, and entirely because Brom is back home yeah. in, in Louisville. And that rivalry, believe it or not, means a lot to people. It does. And no question. You, you mentioned Stoops' struggles against Georgia where he has solidified himself, cemented himself with his fan base, is series like Louisville and Florida. Yeah. And so, right. you know, that, that one, though, could get interesting uh, with Brom now. No doubt about that. Brent, look forward to doing it again next week. Me too, bud. Have a great weekend. You too, bud. For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers around the Southeastern Conference right here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Until next time, so long, everybody.